0: right welcome back everybody to another episode of the dental practice launch podcast brought to you by crimson media dental marketing and uh, i'm your host shane simmons back to be uh, glad to be back here again and uh today you know we're, we're talking to somebody that i've been kind of watching through the facebook uh, universe if you will or meta universe whatever we're going to call it these days and uh really as everybody kind of who listens to this knows you know we really focus on practice ownership whether it's a startup, whether it's an acquisition, whatever the case is, and and making sure that you're prepared for that and, and gonna set yourself up for success. And the guest here who I brought on today is gonna be able to give invaluable insights to our audience when it comes to acquisitions. He is Brian Hanks of Dental Buyer Advocates. Brian, thank you so much, man, for hopping on here. I know you're a busy guy.
1: Shane, it's an honor to be here. I can't wait to chat with your audience well you know today
0: we're going to talk about you know a de- number of different topics but most importantly i think the common question i get i'm sure you get it as well brian is what are the things that i need to be doing looking out for you know crossing my t's down in my eyes when it comes to purchasing a practice and you know like anything in life my belief is don't try to do this all yourself you know find somebody who can you know has experience in doing these things are going to save you a lot of headaches a lot of money in the long run, and and that's really kind of a key element I've picked up over over the years of being in dentistry. But you know, Brian, before we dive into some of those things that people need to know when purchasing a practice, you know, in, t- in today's economy in today's world, I, I always like to just hear a little bit about kind of how you were led down this path because my understanding, you kind of had a financial, you know, accounting type background. Is that right?
1: It is. I'm a reformed Wall Street guy. So I was doing investments uh, literally in lower Manhattan for Goldman Sachs. I would help people manage their money. I took a job with a dental CPA um, who also did some investment management. And I was working with all the younger clients. You know, I was helping a lot of associates, a lot of brand new owners, a lot of um, even a few D4s that were very ambitious and um, in loving that process of, you know, helping with their taxes and, stock, bond, portfolio allocation. Do I buy the real estate? But what, what I found was the group of people that's listening to this podcast, that same group of people I was talking to about finances, they had questions about their biggest investment. And of course, their biggest investment is their career, right? It's where they went to school. It's what they're going to do in their practice. And no one out there was teaching in a really cohesive, coherent way, the process to either start a practice from scratch or to buy a practice. And so I very creatively titled a book called How to Buy a Dental Practice and I put it out on Amazon and I got so many phone calls from that book that I decided, you know what, as much as I love the investment world, as much as I love taxes and talking numbers and spreadsheets, I'm going to specialize in the process of buying a dental practice. So as far as I know, I'm the only guy in the country that says only that. And uh, I take clients through the process of buying a practice and, uh, and then when they're done and they own, they they send them over to Crimson. I send them over to other folks to to help them run that practice effectively. Uh, but yeah, I know way too much about buying a practice. And the the
0: book I was just thinking is like, that's actually a great book name for SEO value marketing mind. I mean, it's just like, that was great. Like, I I love that. Um, no, that that's, that's fascinating. And so the dental industry as you know, right. It's so interesting because, you know, there's, you know, banks are willing to lend, you know, to dentists for the, for the most part. It's a pretty safe bet from, from the financing side of things. But in dental school is kind of, you touched on there a little bit. Um, it's just something that is not taught. It, it's, you know, you're, you're taught to do dentistry, but, you know, there's more programs now that I'm starting to see maybe do like a dual MBA that you can do in kind of dental school, med school, things like this. But, you know, a lot of times it's just learning from you know, kind of hard knocks or, you know, learning from others who've, who've been there and done that. And so I'm just curious, what did, what did you see from transitioning out of that Goldman Sachs world and Wall Street to dental? Uh, did you see that big gap there that really needed to be bridged What for a dentist who's looking to purchase or what was that kind of process like for you?
1: You know, interestingly, my career in a lot of ways mirrors a lot of dentists. So I was trained to be an amazing employee, an amazing technician. Nobody explained the process of running a business. Now, I would never discourage a dentist from going out and getting more education, especially business education. If you want to go do a dual DDS MBA or DMD MBA, uh, go by all means. I think it's going to be valuable for you. But I will tell you, if the thing you're looking for is boots on the ground, tactical knowledge on how to give employees feedback, how to coach someone, how to delegate to, to uh, a vendor or an employee, you're not going to find it in an MBA program. Uh, so I had the same experience as an employee turned business owner, and now it's fun to coach people through the process of uh, what it takes to A, find, buy, and then C, run a business.
0: Yeah. And and that really kind of, you know, leads me into what we want to talk about is, is today is purchasing a dental practice or going into practice ownership, whether it's a startup, it's an acquisition. Many dentists have that dream of owning their own practice. And I understand that, you know, you kind of preach these three different phases to uh, acquiring a practice. However, we were talking. You told me a little bit about there's this secret phase that that you know isn't necessarily mentioned off the top. Uh, let's start there. You know, in the three phases, starting before that, the secret phase. What is that?
1: Yeah, the secret phase is to be very clear about what you want, and in the hardest part in this whole process is to a know what you want and then b to find a practice to buy. And by the way, I know your audience does a lot of startups. Um, I'm gonna just touch on I- I'm agnostic. you want to start up a practice you want to buy a practice I'm I'm mostly agnostic uh, because both can be great options because when I talk with uh, an associate that's been out of school or out at some GPR or AGD for a year or two, here's what they tell me they want money, right And they're not it's not a greedy thing. What they're talking is they're saying, Brian, the most pressing problem I have right now, is my student loan balance, um, the lifestyle I want to live, all of those things, which is totally, totally legit. Here's actually what they really want, though. What they're really looking for is control. Okay, now right now, this is so the secret phase zero is to be very clear about what you want. Ownership is great. I think ownership is wonderful for the money side. I tell people, you want to get out from underneath that mountain of student loans? Your fastest way to do that is to go get as big a practice loan as you possibly can. In other words, go get more in debt. And some dentists' heads explode at that because what I'm really telling them to do is the fastest way to pay off your student loans is to have money to pay them off. That fastest way to have money to pay them off is, is to have control over your career and to make money as an owner, okay? So secret phase zero is be clear about what you want. And by the way, what you really want is control. Now, right now it's control over your finances, but ultimately it's going to be control over who you work with, which insurance companies you do or don't take, uh, where your office is, how many operatories, the equipment you buy or don't buy, whether or not you can fire your admin or your assistant that's terrible or, or is awesome and keep them, right? Those are the types of things that everybody wants in their career, including dentists. And so be clear about what you want. And then here's the secret. Okay. Here's phase zero, Shane, a lot of dentists think, okay, you know, because their their career to this point has been so prescribed, biology undergrad, dental school, maybe some residency, job with a DSO that sucked, job with a second DSO that probably sucked, now they're ready to buy a practice and they think they're going to hop online just like they have for all of these other steps and they're going to find a practice to buy and that's where they get stuck. So secret phase zero is you got to find a practice. In order to find a practice, you have to have a really robust network. Of dentists who know, like, and trust you, preferably with some gray hair on their head, so they can either sell you their practice or they can introduce you to a friend that wants to sell you theirs.
0: Yeah, no, that's absolutely because it's not like you just you know go online and, and go to a Zillow type you know site and see a bunch of dental practices and have all the numbers and everything ready for you. That's a really good point, and, and kind of to circle back to what you were talking about of knowing what they want and, and control. Um, you know, I, I hear that same thing, you know, every single day when we're talking with new owners or prospective owners. And one of the things that's really been encouraging for, for me has been hearing more and more about, you know, the culture, you know, that they ultimately want to build the type of, you know, way they want people to feel when they come to work for them. And it's like, there's so many factors there that, as you mentioned, yes, you know, the financially. You, you can be more lucrative that way, having the control of your schedule, you know, having the control of of your legacy, ultimately, but also being able to better those around you is one of the things that I think makes ownership so um, so important and, and so powerful. So to get to your point though about having that that network, um, mm-hmm. you know, where does somebody start in that case? Say you know they're two years out of dental school, they've been working at a DSO, and they're thinking, all right. You know, I, I really want to in the next year or two years, you know, be able to acquire a practice. That that is their goal. What's kind of that that first step for them um, as far as getting out there, finding those resources, finding those networks? Uh, what's your recommendation, Brian?
1: My recommendation is build your network indiscriminately. Okay, in other words, try to add as many dentists as you possibly can to your network of people that know, like, and trust you. And here's how you're going to do it, Shane. When people hear the word networking, a lot of times they think schmoozy, business cardy kind of, you know, they feel slimy saying the word. I get that, and that's not what I mean. What I actually mean is you make a genuine personal connection with another dentist. That's it, okay? So, but do it indiscriminately. In other words, we're not looking for best buddies. We're not looking for your lifetime godparent for your children. What we are looking for is a long list of dentists that you stay in relatively frequent contact with on a quarterly, maybe semi-annual basis. Okay, so here's how I would do it if I were a D3. I'd open up uh, an Excel spreadsheet, or you know, you can go the poor man's uh, Google spreadsheet way if you want, but Excel is the <laughs> greatest, greatest tool ever built on planet Earth. And I would open up that spreadsheet and I would list numbers one through a hundred, and I would make it a game with another classmate to see who can add a hundred dentists to their personal network fastest. And I, I might go to uh, let's say. I grew up in Kent, Washington. I really want to move back to the South Sound area of Seattle. Okay, so I'm going to start there and I'm going to start Googling around to see which dentists are in that area. Who impresses me with something on their website, number of Google reviews, the cool equipment they have, the reputation of the equipment rep in the area. And I'm going to reach out to that dentist with this question. And this question isn't, hey, Shane, you're an amazing dentist. Want to sell me your practice? That's a terrible question. Right, And that's not a genuine personal connection with that individual. If, however, the question is, hey, Shane, you look like an amazing dentist. I'm a D3. I'm a D4. I've been out of school for two years. I would really like to learn from this thing that you do really well. Would you mind if I gave you a call and picked your brain as the expert on the subject of Google reviews, amazing equipment, cool staff, whatever it is? What dentist is going to say no to that? Right, they're gonna say sure, fifteen minutes on a Zoom call, a coffee, uh, a phone call, no big deal, absolutely. And now you just now it's just a follow-up game. Uh, every six months, every three months, you reach out, just wanted to say thanks. How's that thing going? We talked about, and then when the time is right, sure. Now I've got a hundred people that I can ask and say, hey, by the way, I'm looking to buy. If you know anyone in the area selling, I'd be an interested listener, buyer, whatever the, the case may be. Uh, but you know it's a lot of work and not a lot of people are willing to do it
0: yeah and that's a great point because people love like you're almost honored like if you know a young student or you know somebody fresh out of dental school asks for you know advice feedback you know anything i can learn from you like people love to help and and be a resource i believe i've, I've you know never reached out to somebody that i've looked up to and then been like annoyed that I asked for advice or be able to you know get feedback from them. Usually people are are almost honored you know that you even thought of them to do that. So it's it serves definitely two purposes there where it's it's helping you know the person that you're asking in many ways because they're going to be hey honored that you even asked me. Uh, but then secondly you know you're going to be able to pick up on things grow that network so um that's massive and you're saying you start that in even dental school if you're listening to this in dental school right now start that process now
1: yeah right why not right yeah
0: yeah that's awesome okay so after that you know we kind of move into you know we we know what kind of practice we want to purchase we know that you know this is kind of our vision for for where we want to be um you have the the three phases that I know that you help your clients through Um, let's start with phase one, Brian. What is phase one? What does the timelines look like on that? What should people be doing in that first phase when acquiring a practice?
1: Let's paint a picture here. I'll tell a story of a dentist I'm working with in California. Um, And and I'll I'll answer your question through the eyes of the client. Okay, so a client calls me up. They have done their homework. They Yes, they browsed a few broker listings online in their pajamas at 11 o'clock at night. But actually how they found their practice was through their personal network of other dentists, surprise, surprise. And by the way, side note, that's where all the good practices are for sale. They're not, they don't tend to be online. They can be, but they don't tend to be. So this dentist calls me up and this is the start of phase one is, Hey Brian, I think I found a practice I may want to buy. That's the start of the process. Okay. You've seen an office, you've seen some listing, you've got a document with some numbers on it, Maybe right this is the start of the process the end of phase 1 is you think you want to put in an offer on this practice so what happens in the middle of phase 1 is an analysis of that office both in person and from a numbers perspective okay so the in person isn't hard most dentists I talk with they can do this pretty intuitively they drive up to the office they shake hands usually after hours or on the weekend with the doctor they walk around they see the operatories and the equipment they get a sense for the philosophy of the seller. Are you kind of a drill and fill? Do you put a crown on everything that moves? What is your style, right? And then they think to themselves, could I live here? Do this office, you know, do I get good vibes or creepy vibes? If it's good, now there's the number side of things. Now, this is where me or someone like me would come into play, okay? You need an accountant for this process, but it doesn't have to be a, a dental um, tax person, Okay, so it can be someone that just does acquisitions like me. A dental CPA is a good option. Um, Okay, and what they're looking for is they're going to answer three questions for you. From a numbers perspective, is this a good practice to buy? Collections, profitability, trends. Uh, We're looking at production history. I'm looking at uh, demographics. I'm looking at their website. All kinds of different data points to answer the question, numbers-wise, is this good? Question number two is, is the asking price fair? Or what is a fair price to pay for this practice? That's my job. I'll do the valuation. I'll let you know how my number compares to the sellers or the brokers. And then big question number three is, how much money would I make if I bought this practice? Gotta know that, right? Not because you're greedy, but because this is an investment and you'd be silly not to ask that question. And probably you're giving up an associate salary on top of this, right? So, that's the end of phase one. Is okay. I think I want to put in an offer. Does that answer your question, Shane?
0: Yep, absolutely. And you know, with those three steps. So you know, is it a good practice to buy? Just kind of to recap here. You know, looking at you know production demographics in the area. Second, is the price fair? Someone like you know Brian's team would would be able to help you out on that. Be able to make sure that it's with what the seller is is also listing at, um, and, and kind of go from there. And then the third, um, how much would you make if you purchased that practice? So that's kind of your, your starting point there, checking off those boxes, kind of moving forward at that point. Now, as far as the second phase, if, if those things, you know, align and, and, and look healthy, um, what's the, what's the next phase from there?
1: Yeah. The next phase is an offer and build out your team. Okay. So uh, what we do for our clients, we actually will help write the offer, sometimes called an LOI or letter of intent, right? And that's an offer to purchase a business, and it'll have a price on there, right? So my California client, uh, she was looking at a practice that was listed for seven hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Yeah, when we did our valuation, we valued the practice as seven hundred forty-seven thousand. So a difference of twenty-eight grand, and the discussion that we had to have before. This client submitted her offer was, hey, is it worth it to try to negotiate or is there somewhere else in the deal that you want to win and and maybe make up that part of that 28 grand or you feel like something else is worth it to you? And in this case, and this isn't the answer for everybody, but in this case, the doctor said, you know what, Brian, I don't want to ruin the goodwill with this seller. I'm willing to make a full price offer. So she did, $775,000. But there could be some negotiation that happens there. That's part of this process. And assuming that the negotiations end with a thumbs up, everybody's on board, seller wants to sell to you, you wanna buy from the seller. You're gonna need to do a couple other things in this phase. Number one is to get some banks on board. I recommend two, no more than three. And and there are some reasons for that we can get into if you want, but the quick version is um, bankers all know each other, everybody talks, everybody knows if you're applying with different banks, okay? So you're gonna ruin your chances of the best rate, if you have too many banks at the table, but two to three is acceptable. And then you're gonna to need to hire a lawyer. Okay. Now, let me make one note lawyer, obviously crucial. Um, lawyers gonna cost some money. I'm gonna cost some money. And if you have to choose between an accountant and a lawyer, you always choose the lawyer. Okay. If you don't have enough money for both, you gotta pick the lawyer. Lawyer is a do not stop, do not pass, go, go directly to jail if you don't use a lawyer. Right. So. Lawyer's crucial, but they can wait until right around the time you're making an offer or right after you've accepted it offer. Okay. And when you're in the, that
0: timeline of of moving along with all this like phase two, you know, finding and, and hiring a lawyer, what has been in the CPA even, what has been your experience as far as at what stages should someone be looking at these things even before they've started the phase one, you know, should they be looking at a potential attorneys, potential accountants that they may want to potentially work with before they get to that stage to kind of do their due diligence?
1: Yeah, right. I I would be kind of a hypocrite if I said no, right? I mean, I just told these dentists to build out their network. And why can't their network? I think think their network should lean heavily towards other dentists. But why not have a Brian Hanks in your network, Um, a, a dental attorney from the Northeast, a dental attorney from the Southwest, some, some dental attorneys are better than others and you want to get a feel for them. And yeah, get to know the bankers in your area. Sure. Get to know the equipment reps in your area. They're going to have some good insight and knowledge. As to who's. So short answer, yes. Longer answer is a bank can't give you, there's no such thing as a pre-approval, right? Every bank is going to underwrite each deal separately. And each deal depends on the practice you're looking at. So you can build a good relationship but it's just a little bit different than a home purchase or getting a lease for a brand new startup there is no pre approval because you got to wait till you find that practice
0: yeah awesome great advice there <laughs> now those stages you know is there a typical timeline that that happens between <clears throat> excuse me you know checking off those boxes of getting the you know fair price on the practice you know <laughs> checking the demographics all of that and kind of moving into that stage you know two of this Is there a certain timeline that you typically see on how that plays out, month, two month, three months, so on?
1: Yeah, great question. So I'll give you a total, I'll give you a total time and then I'll break it down for you a little bit. But my average client, from the moment they find a practice they might be interested in, to the moment they close and have keys and a a bank loan has wired money somewhere. In 2022, my average client was 108 days. So just over three months. All right. Now how that breaks down is that phase 1 process, the process of doing some initial due diligence or just an initial look, it's got to be lightning fast, okay? Cuz that the first step in the process probably was a phone call with the seller, maybe a visit to the actual practice. And now the seller is thinking, "Hey, I just met uh, man, Shane, seems like a sharp guy. Uh, he has a sweet suit jacket on. Like, wow. <laughs> like, I hope he buys my practice." And if you wait two, three, four weeks, oh, the air's out of the balloon, right? So for my clients, we promise within five business days or less, an answer, um, answers to all your questions, how much, what's a good offer price, how much you gonna make, all of that. So you wanna be really fast with phase one. And then phase two, banking, legal. Um, From phase two to close is kind of the rest of the time, right, it's getting the lawyers involved, getting bank loans approval, finishing the due diligence, like. Doing chart audits and equipment audits and things like that. Um, you know, banking. I'd say uh, from a moment that you put in an application to an approval, three-ish weeks, give or take. And lawyers are working on documents for um, anywhere from thirty days to ninety days, depending on how fast the parties are.
0: Awesome. So things can get moving fairly quickly then, and, and that seems ideal to keep that momentum. You know, in your behind your sales, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And this is another reason why uh, people, smart people will hear an implied uh, recommendation here. And the implied recommendation is you work with someone who does this a lot. Yeah. So um, a dental or uh, a lawyer who also does some estate planning and sometimes does some litigation for car accidents. And then once last year helped their brother-in-law with a dental purchase, you may have a personal relationship with that attorney, but it's going to be slow, right? It's going to slow things down and that's going to cost you somewhere in the deal. So I'd get a a qualified, you know, my preference, flat fee based dental attorney that only does dental transitions, right? Same with me. I only do dental acquisitions, so on and so forth, because things move.
0: Yeah. Uh, amen. Yeah, we we hear that, you know, the marketing with some startups, which, you know, is such a vital time at the very, very beginning of the stage to to be marketing even before the practice opens. And sometimes I'll hear, well, you know, my brothers, cousins, you know, friend does marketing on the side, and he's going to help me do the website, all these things. So I'm like, okay, you know, that's an option. But you know, this is precious time here with with all of these different things. When you're opening a, a business, you got to make sure people have been there, done that. So that's a huge takeaway. And that's the thing that I, li- I just love about Facebook um, is, you know, with as many negatives that there is to social media and the things that happen on there, you know, the network that you can build off of these platforms is just amazing like sitting here the two of us you know across the country from each other seeing each other through these groups and now being able to say hey you know i know somebody who can help you you know along this journey like they do great work you know here you go the, the same thing with all of these these practice owners or potential practice owners is you know, this is at your, literally your fingertips. If you're looking, staying in these groups, staying active. Um, yeah, it's just a powerful tool to, to say the least.
1: Did I, did I hear you say that you should build your network? Did I, did I hear that right, Shane?
0: It's exactly what I was saying. Go back to Brian's point, build that network, start it yesterday, <laughs> start it yesterday, right? And, and Excel over Google Sheets, preferably is, is the other thing I picked up there. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about kind of this final stage here. This is phase three of this process. So what are the things that we are, are doing in phase three? What is required from the dentist? What's some of the things that someone like you would be doing in this stage? What does that look like?
1: Everything else the dentist has heard they need to do before they actually run a business. Okay, so it's good. I have 108 items. I go through a checklist with all my buyers, but it's everything you can think of from opening the business entity to IRS filings. Uh, you got to pick a payroll company. You got to pick a business checking account, a credit card. got to get that merchant services credit card reader at the front desk and that poster in the break room that has the minimum wage on it, right? Um, everything on that list is something we either do for our clients or we walk them through the process. Basically, the goal here, Shane, is you want to walk through the doors uh, as an owner, whether it's a startup or an acquisition. You want to be able to focus on your patients and staff. That's who you want to focus You What you don't want to be is going, oh, crap, did I get a payroll? Something don't we need to run payroll soon? Right and now, that's taking time and energy away from the procedure you're about to do in 15 minutes. So. Get everything done that you can before you run that business and work with the seller. And there's letters. And anyway, there's a long list of things, and we'll, we'll yeah. help you with
0: there, all of it. There's nothing worse than starting a new business. I'm guilty of this. You know, years ago when I started this company, it was like, do I have a tax ID number? Like, you know, I mean, like little things like that that take you away, like you said, from producing and, and doing what you need to be doing. Um, yeah, man, I wish I would have had somebody like that, you know, starting my business at the time and rather than learning through the hard way as they, as they say. So let me ask this because, uh, which by the way, you know, um, Brian definitely follow um, them on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? We'll put it in the show notes too. Dental buyer advocates. Okay. Dental buyer advocates. I was, you know, just kind of scrolling through the other day and, and one of the things that you kind of brought it up earlier is a lot of these great practice opportunities oftentimes never make it. Online to these listings, and I saw you know you had a listing. I think it was in in Washington State. Um, this town looked like straight out of the Goonies, you know. Scene. It looked like an awesome place, and you know those little things like that. Just following somebody who sees these different opportunities and listings that come up. Um, man, you could really be sitting on a gold mine potentially that nobody else is, is aware of. Can you just kind of talk a little bit about how you've seen that happen and your experience with some of your clients who are looking and next thing you know, somebody backs out of an old deal, whatever the case is, and boom, there's a, an opening you know, ready to go.
1: Seller was a family friend of mine and said, hey, Brian, can you do a valuation? I don't normally work with sellers, but in this case, I said, sure, no problem. I'll do a valuation for you because you already know this buyer. Well, the buyer backed out. And the sellers are, oh, no, what do we do now? And I said, well, you can hire a broker. Well, how much is that going to cost me? About 10%, or in your case, $150,000. And they went, oh, that's a lot of money. I, I sure wish we knew a buyer. I said, hey, I've got an Instagram account. Let me post it for you. Shane, no joke, just this morning, got a call, or I got an email or a DM last night. I connected the buyer. Seller reached out to me about four hours ago and said, Hey, this, this buyer is amazing. And they're right, you know, 40 minutes away. Uh, can you send me an NDA? We need to, we need to get this thing moving. We think we found our buyer now and this buyer, I don't know them, right? They just messaged just through me. Instagram, you know? And, um, and so it's those li- I have story after story, not me either. Right. Just buyers who reached out or they, a friend in the Navy connected them with this person who, so it is, it really is, um, it can feel random. But if you're watching for the patterns, it's not, it's not random. It's the people that are out there connecting, having conversations, doing the coffee, showing up at the study club meetings, you know, go flying to the Hinman or whatever. Like those are the people who consistently time after time are quote unquote lucky, right? With these opportunities. they find.
0: Well, I know you've done a lot of these. You've helped a lot of dentists throughout this process. And one of the things that we always like to do as we kind of wind down the show here is Talk about if there's one just huge piece of advice that you've seen over your experiences in doing this over the years, whether it's a mistake to avoid or one thing that you've seen just save people time and time again. You know, if somebody's considering practice ownership right now, what is something that they should do to ensure that that process is going to be as, as smooth and as fruitful as possible for them?
1: Okay, it's a dark horse recommendation. I don't think your audience is going to you're going to expect me to say something about save some cash, um, you know, have a better network. No, this is it, okay? Shane, I'm going to tell you the secret. Learn how to manage people. Here's what I mean specifically. One-on-ones with people, build relationships with your staff especially. Learn how to give positive and negative feedback to someone who's late and someone who's awesome at work learn how to coach, learn how to delegate. If you can do management of people, everything becomes easier. Dentistry is a people business. And and do I mean manage patients? Eh, kind of. I don't really mean manage in the sense of the boss to employee relationship. What I actually mean is manage your staff well, help them understand your goals like you. You like them, right? Everybody's pulling in the same direction. So many dentists. And by the way, so many bosses nationwide, right? How many good bosses have you had versus bad bosses? If you can learn to be a good boss, everything becomes easier. Whether you start up, whether you buy, whether you stay an associate for your entire career, you're going to manage people. You're the dentist. You're going to manage people, learn how to do it. It's, it's a learnable process.
0: You nailed it on the head, but you're in the people business when it comes to dentistry. You're not in the teeth business. You are in the people business. And any good resources that you recommend? I'm actually in the process right now of rereading Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. And, and that's an all time that I highly recommend when it talks about just making sure you have the right people in mm-hmm. the right place you know, on the team. They call it right seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but any recommendations that you have for our audience um, who are wanting to really take you up on that and start to learn how to manage people?
1: Two, I got a book and a podcast. The book is Traction, a uh, Gino Wickman, fantastic book. Yeah. We're implementing EOS into our company
0: at literally with an implementer as we speak.
1: <laughs> uh, and then I've got a podcast for you. It's free, and it'll give you step by step instructions on how to manage people. It's called Manager Tools. Manager Tools, they're fantastic. I've never heard anything better. It's literally changed my life.
0: Awesome. We'll put a link to that in the in the show notes below we'll also put a link to gina wickman's uh, traction again great book when you look at just managing and running a business um I was doing it for years before we started implementing eos which stands for entrepreneur operating system for those of you who haven't heard of it uh fascinating and life-changing to say the least already for us so i love those recommendations there um Brian, we could, man, we could talk for two more hours on a number of different topics. I'm sure I'd love to bring you on again some other time. But as we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, thank you so much for for sharing you know, the insights, your experiences with our audience. Uh, it really means the world to us. Um, for those listening uh, and if they're like, man, I, I really want to reach out to, to Brian and, and his team and, and see if maybe they can help me on this journey. Uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you and, and set up a time to maybe chat?
1: I've got a book a call feature on my website, dentalbuyeradvocates.com. Um, if you can't remember that, you can go to Amazon and find the book, How to Buy a Dental Practice. And if you're listening to this podcast, I've got one also. It's, it's free and as hope, it's maybe not quite as good as, but hopefully as helpful as Shane's, and it's um, Practice Purchased. So if you go to the Practice Purchased podcast, you'll find links and other information on the process of, of buying a practice.
0: Awesome. Man, thank you so much, Brian. We'll be sure to put all that information in the show notes for all of you listening. Definitely reach out to Dental Buyer Advocates. Reach out to the team. Uh, They're doing amazing things. Heard nothing but great things about them. That's why we brought them on the podcast. And Brian, thanks again for hopping on. And uh, let's do it again
1: one of these days. It's been an honor. I'd love to do it.